Who else but Steven Means to put an exclamation point on this preseason finale? Welcome to the postgame show presented by Rico. I'm Chris McPherson alongside former Eagles linebacker Ike Reese. And it wasn't the prettiest of games, but at the very end, 18 seconds ago, forget the Timmy Changs, the Mike Kafkas, the Trent Edwardses, the, the Tim Tebows. Joe Callahan is the quarterback you want to lead you from behind in that fourth preseason affair against the New York Jets, completing a four-yard touchdown pass to running back Matt Jones to put the Eagles on top by a score of 10-9, to and Stephen Means getting the sack to put the game away. So the Eagles end the preseason with a 1-3 and record. Ike, we can breathe a sigh of relief. The regular season is now a week away next Thursday night when the Atlanta Falcons come to town. Uh, as we take one look here at this preseason finale, any players who – jumped off the page who might have helped solidify their cause for a roster spot as the Eagles have to get to the 53-player limit by 4 p.m. on Saturday. Well, it's tough sledding getting through this game, Chris. The fourth preseason game, not a lot of offense, uh, some good defense, really some sloppy offense from the Jets and the Eagles. But if I'm looking at anyone that helped their case to be on this team, come this weekend, it would have to be Steven Means. We started off with him. He ended the game with a sack. I thought his play in the second half really uh, lit a fire under the team. Really, the defense, they played hard all night. They kept the Jets out of the end zone for the most part. What, three field goals for the Jets tonight, I believe. Yes. So they didn't give up a touchdown. And it was really hard to find anyone on the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles that really stood out. You know, a lot of sloppy play, turnovers, things of that nature. But on the defensive side of the ball, some good hitting, uh, a couple turnovers, and they were led by Stephen Means. Now, he's a little bit of a veteran, and so playing in this game, uh, the thing I love about him is that his motor never seems to stop. Reminds me a lot of my former teammate, N.D. Kalu that played here, just a guy, you put him out there on the field and he knows how to get to the quarterback. What does it mean to have, not to say Steven means, but what does it mean having a player like that who, when you go out into, out into practice every day, you know he's going to bring it as if it were game day? Well, I've heard Lane Johnson even talk about the type of work that Steven Means gives him in practice to get him prepared for the upcoming weeks. So when you get a guy like that who's not going to take plays off in practice, coaches love that because the offensive guys, the offensive linemen, they need to get that work. And it's rare that you're going to get game-type speed from these uh, scout team uh, looks. But a guy like Steven Means that knows he can't afford to take a playoff, he can't afford to take a week off, he's going to give you game-type energy even out there on the practice field. He's been here for what? I believe this is his, what, third year? That fourth season. Fourth year, fourth season that he's been here. And uh, he, he, Three sacks tonight. he like. impresses every year, man. <laughs> I mean, out there with those guys, this is a guy that you can tell he's, he's able to help your ball club on a Sunday. And I know our defensive line has a great depth, but – you can never have enough good pass rushers. No, no, no. You never have enough good pass rushers. Not whatsoever. I think what's also helpful having a player like Steven Means in his final preseason game is he sets a tone from a veteran standpoint because the rookies are out there. They're wide-eyed. They're overly excited. They understand this is their last chance to put good film on tape for the teams, whether it's the Eagles or for the other 31 teams. And Steven Means will tell the guys, look, just play within yourselves, okay? You've had all of training camp. You've had three preseason games. It's just another outing. Don't make it any bigger than it is because as a rookie, he understands what they went through being a guy on that bubble. Yeah. Now that he has a few years under his belt, it's like, look, you just got to go out there and play solid, consistent football and put that out there on tape. Big picture, though, we talk about this defensive line. 
What are you expecting? Because I thought the defense from the beginning of the preseason with the starters all the way to the end was pretty much dominant, especially along this defensive line. So it'll be very intriguing to see what Harry Roseman, Joe Douglas, and Doug Pearson do in terms of keeping players and Jim Schwartz, what they want to do, keeping players along the defensive line. Because you look at the defensive tackle situation up front, and Tim Jernigan on the non-football injury list, Hasn't come off of it at this point, so you figure he'll probably not miss some time because of the back surgery to open the season. Defensive end, you have the numbers there, but as a guy like Josh Sweat, who was very promising as a rookie and showed some flashes, especially at the end of the preseason game tonight, is he a guy you can count on on game day? So I'm going to be very intrigued to see what they do with this defensive line, how many numbers they keep across the board. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good players there. That was the strength of our defense last year. You're going to make an argument with the strength of the team as they went seven or eight deep, uh, uh, having seven guys play 400 or more snaps in the league. No other team had that type of um, luxury on their defensive line. And like I said earlier, you can never have enough good pass rushers. In this league, you got to be able to affect the quarterback in the pocket. I like Joshua too. Uh, wish I could could have seen a little more out of him. Um, a little more in terms of snaps or just flashes in terms just of Just in, in flashes. Yeah. Uh, in flashes. But you know what? When, you, when you're coming from college and you're rushing against these these pro uh, NFL offensive linemen, it's not as easy as it was when you were in college. And you, you find that out early. I, I guarantee you Derek Barnett would say the same thing, that the game slowed down for him the second half of the season as opposed to the early part of the season because the things that you were able to get away with in college off sheer athleticism and speed, it's about technique. It's about counter moves at the NFL level. And with a guy like Stephen Means, if, it's, if it were me, He's a guy that I want active on Sunday because he has four years under his belt. He's played in games. He understands what it takes to rush the passer. Uh, you, got, you, got, you got a few guys along the line a little bit long in the tooth when you think about a Michael Bennett. So you think about Haloti Nada, guys like that. Brandon Graham, coming, he's coming off an ankle injury. So you want to make sure you got some quality depth behind him. Chris Long, another guy, a little bit long another in the veteran. tooth. I think a guy like Stephen Means, uh, he's, he's, he's at that ripe age where he, he's just about to start to hit his prime. He understands what it means to pass rush. He's been in this system for a few years. I love to see him make this team. I think he can add some quality depth. You mentioned the depth there, and I go back to February at the NFL Scouting Combine, and Howie Roseman said that he wanted to make sure that this team going to 2018 had the same amount of depth as it had last season. So seeing how everything is unfolding in the preseason, seeing how this team has developed throughout the course of training camp and the players coming in and out of the lineup, do you think the depth is there along the def defensive line that it had back in 2017? Well, we are at the defensive end position. I think we're, I think we're okay there as long as Brandon comes back. The, line, the whole line across yeah. the board. Well, the defensive tackle is, is the position where you, you got a little bit of uh, concern if you're looking at the depth. Obviously, you look at the starters in Fletcher Cox and Haloti Nada. Those are veterans. You don't have to worry about those guys. I like Destiny Vail, too. He's been here a few years now. Still a young guy, but he's been in the system for a couple years. I would have liked to have seen a little more out of Elijah Qualls uh, this summer. Seventh-round draft pick out of Washington last year with Tim Jernigan being sidelined. This gave Elijah an opportunity to step up and really you know, solidify his spot on his roster. I didn't see a whole lot of him out of his Maybe the coaches. One thing I will say, I'm not privy of being out here in practice. So I do understand that what you see in the game isn't necessarily indicative of what the player has progressed throughout the training camp. So these coaches get to watch them every day in practice. They understand what they're good at, what they need to work on. So it'll be interesting 
when it's cut down time. And those decisions are made, I would think, primarily based off what you've done in practice. You know, coaches get to see you in one-on-one situations. Coaches getting to see you in uh, certain matchups in two-minute drill out there, short yardage, goal line, things of that nature that you don't always get to work on in a preseason game because the situation may not arise. So sometimes watching the games, it can be a little more difficult for us to evaluate players, and that's why the coaches, they, they have the final word because they get to watch these guys every day. See, I, I'm asking you a lot, like early on in this show about the defense because I think you were hitting on it during your afternoon show uh, with John Marks on Sports Radio 94 WIP about how the defense largely you know, helped carry this team through the latter part of the regular season and early in the postseason until the Super Bowl and then Nick Foles and the offense, they hit its stride and they were able to take everything over from there. But late in the season, after Carson Wentz got injured, the defense knew that it had to come to perform each and every week. And you go back to the playoff game against the Atlanta Falcons and the Falcons are coming to the link a week from tonight. And I don't know if you can have another 15-10 type ball game with Matt Ryan with Julio Jones, you know, with Devontae Freeman, especially now that that offense is going into its second year with Steve Sarkeesian as a coordinator. There's some stability there, whereas last season it wasn't there, and you could tell things were off, especially when they had those four red zone plays when they had an opportunity to win the game. So to me, it seems like early on, especially since so many players were missing from the offensive side of the ball here in training camp in the preseason, the defense might need to come out on fire to start things off early and feed off the crowd to be able to you know, spark things while the offense gets its groove. Yeah, yeah I, I think you hit it right on the head. The defense has to know that they need to lead the charge the early part of the season, and I think they're game for it. The thing I love about this defense is that they have personality. They have tenacity. It reminds me a lot of the defenses I played with back during the Jim Johnson era. I think back to 2002 when Donovan went down, and we even lost Coy Detmer in the very next game. So A.J. Philly, who was a rookie, had to come in, step in, and we were at a critical juncture of the season. We're trying to solidify home field advantage at that point, and you just can't put the pressure on a young quarterback. Now, granted, we don't have a young quarterback situation, but to your point, with the offense missing so many players in the preseason, you got to give them time to sort of find their rhythm, find their chemistry. The defense seems like they're in mid-season form. If there's anything I would – I guess you would sort of have to have a question about is how what our young corners fare, right? You, you love Jalen Mills and, and Ron Darby. I think we're, we're, we're straight there. But getting a chance to see, to see uh, Sidney Jones out there in the slot, at the slot corner, it'll be interesting. And they, in the first game of the season, I don't know if you can get a better test than facing that arsenal coming from the Atlanta Falcons with a former MVP, MVP quarterback like Mike, Matt Ryan at the helm. Um, our defense is going to need to be at, at the top of their game just so they don't force our offense to have to put up 28, 30 points. Exactly. You especially look at Julio Jones, someone who lines up all over the formation. Whoever they put in the slot, we expect it to be Sidney Jones over Avante Maddox. You put Julio Jones there, Calvin Ridley, the first-round pick out of Alabama. Either way, there's going to be an explosive threat. And the three receivers, when you factor in Mohamed Sanu, you know, yeah. that's a good a, a threesome, as you're going to see, around the NFL with yeah. Matt Ryan, a crafty veteran, being able to sling the ball around and a quality run game on top of it. So it's going to be a balanced attack. And the other question for the defense is you're not only having – the first-year nickel corner in there, whether it's Jones or Max, but you're also going to lose Nigel Brown, who's been suspended here for the first game of the season. So how will the Eagles work the linebacker package there with him out of the lineup there? So so what we're going to do now is we're going to send it over 
to Lincoln Financial Field. And we're going to bring in the insider, Dave Spadaro and Amy Campbell. And Dave, you broke some news late in the broadcast. And the first thing I want to address here, that during the offseason, there was the big Super Bowl logo, Super Bowl championship sign hanging in the locker room for everyone to see. But after meeting with the players committee this week, Coach Peterson, Doug Peterson, decided that it needs to come down as the Eagles want to turn the page to 2018. Can you expand on that report that you have? Yeah, I mean, look, it's been what Doug has said the entire offseason here, and that is 2017 was the greatest season, but it's time to move forward, turn the page, focus on 2018. So the Eagles will take the sign down when the players report back to the NovaCare Complex on Sunday. They will put the sign back up after the season, but really it's an opportunity for coach to listen to what the players have to say, respect what they have to say, and everybody in agreement, turn the page. Yeah. Nice to win the Super Bowl, but that's yesterday. The Atlanta Falcons are a week from now. Well, and I kind of love that attitude, right? Like, you don't want to stay complacent. Getting to the top is one thing, but staying on top is something else, and I think this team wants to build a dynasty, so they don't want to have that stuck in the past, let's like, rest on our laurels. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Eagles dynasty. dynasty. Sounds nice, right? Right? I mean, what happened? We Eagles win a game here in the preseason. We're, we're, yeah. we're feeling pretty. Eagles scored a touchdown, scored a touchdown. in the we preseason. We didn't know if we were going to get one of those. That was very <laughs> exciting. There are 18 seconds to go to see uh, to see that happen there for them. So, yeah, yeah some offense a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So there you go, Chris. That's the report on the sign in the locker room. Yeah, Dave, Amy, I, I love the idea that Malcolm spoke out about this earlier in the week. Uh, what it says to me is that uh, the leadership recognizes that they need to refocus and start thinking about the 2018 season. You know, you had some fans that, you know, sort of took what Chris Long said about a month ago, that he was yeah. tired of answering questions about the Super Bowl. I loved it when he said that. And you need veteran guys who have been there and know what it means to come back and try to defend the title and understand how hard it is, that you need to stop answering questions about last year because it's not going to have any impact on the 2018 season. And I'm so happy that Doug, uh, Mr. Lurie, they decided they wouldn't be offended by this. It's something they listen to their players. And if it's going to get this team to focus in on this season, I'm all for it. Great job by the whole organization. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that the party will stop here. I mean, the fans next week, it's going to be yeah. berserk in the city of Philadelphia. And it should be. The fans should continue to celebrate. Yeah. But for the players and the coaches in the organization, Ike, you're right. It's time to look at 2018. Well, and I think that is one of the great things about Coach Doug Peterson is that he lets his players be themselves without it becoming a distraction, right? He doesn't let the players rule the locker room, but he takes he takes careful care of things that the, the veteran players like Malcolm Jenkins and Chris Long have to say. Right. He takes yeah. he, he he carefully considers and respects their input. It's a rare balance, I think. Yeah. So, Dave and Amy, one question about the game tonight and. One of the most remarkable stories of the entire NFL preseason is that have been Jordan Mailata. You know, both of you got to see him in action tonight, played most of the game from the second quarter on. Just what are your thoughts on the progress and the development he's made since being drafted by the Eagles in the seventh round? I'll let Amy take most of this, but I'll just say this. He's come a long way, but let's not kid ourselves here. He's got a long way to go. When the Eagles drafted him, they knew it was a two-year project, so they are thrilled with his progress. But, Amy, you see this big, 
beautiful six foot eight inch, 375 pound piece of clay. It takes a while to mold that into a football player. I'm glad you said that because I was about to get way too high on him right now. And yes, let me put my feet back on the ground. Yeah. I've been absolutely blown away by him and just the raw talent at an offensive line position that is so developmental, so much technique. It takes an incredibly long time and it's so much more than size and athleticism. But to see him have technique in those moments, it shows a, a, a intelligence and that he's such a quick learner. So yes. I've been incredibly impressed with Jordan Mailata yeah. and his progress. And like you said, a long way to go. Yeah, you hit on a quick learner, really yeah. adjust to coaching. And so a good good start for Mailata. He's got a long way to go, as does this draft class, Chris and Ike back to you see you in the regular season excellent see you a week from tonight when the eagles open the nfl regular season against the atlanta falcons uh just your thoughts on my because when he was selected okay you maybe thought he has these immense tools and jeff stoutland you know raved about the athleticism and that he could do things that players who have played for many many years were unable to do but you know it was the question would be could he actually develop into a player? Did he have the tenacity? Did he have the work ethic? You know, oh, what we're going to do right now is we're going to send it back over to the lake now. Head coach Doug Peterson set to address the media after the Eagles' victory over the Jets. Can I hear? Can I hear? to really, especially the ones that play in this game, to make it hard on, on us as coaches, as personnel staff, and, you know, um, give give everything they have for, for one more opportunity. And, and you know, and I also tell them that, listen, they're, they're competing, yeah, for our roster, but there's there's 31 other teams that, that are also looking, you know, at, at everybody's roster. And, and we've got some good players. And, um, you know, we got to make some tough decisions. And, that's just the nature of, of this ball game, and, and we got to get down to the 53 here uh, over the weekend. For because you play in a week, do you have to make these decisions a little quicker than you would otherwise? Not really. We still got time, you know. Um, still got some time next next couple of days to, to you know get it to where you want or get it where you, you think you have it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little it's sped up a little just because we're playing you know playing on Thursday. For a guy like Wheaton, does it give him an advantage? because he's a veteran and you have Alshon that's going to be, going to be out for at least two weeks? Well, that, we got to take that into consideration. You know, obviously he's he's played some football, you know, in this league. And, and uh, I thought his, you know, again, I thought what he did tonight was, was good. I, I, we got to evaluate it tomorrow when we watch it and can, can break it down. But, um, you know, he has experience and, and we got to factor that into to everything. What do you think of Adams and Jones tonight, running backs? Um, you know, I thought both of them ran extremely hard. Uh, Matt, Matt, kind of, you know, excuse me. Uh, just go back to Josh. Josh, uh, you know, had the first half and 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 did did some good things, and um, and then and then Matt, uh, Matt in the second half just kind of kind of took over. I think you know some offensive line play was was we tightened some things up and Stout did, made some adjustments and all that. But I thought Matt really came in and, and really sort of improved. You know, as uh, one as camp progressed and, and really had a nice game, you know, to uh, obviously score that game winner was uh, was key for him. As a follow up to Jimmy's question, is it accurate that that Jeffrey's going to miss two weeks or at least two weeks? Actually, are you talking about Alshon? Yes. I'm um, going to activate him you know, off the PUP tomorrow. And is, is playing Thursday realistic? Or That'll be day by day from here. 
how did abs do throughout mini camp and, and training camp? I mean, how would you how would you assess his performance? Who was that? Um, Josh Adams. Oh, Josh Adams. Yeah. You know, he he's he's done some nice things. You know, he kind of came in. You know, he missed the off season a little bit with with an injury, and and you know, sort of was kind of a little, little playing catch up, and then. Uh, come into camp and he was ready to go and then he had a little setback again and got healthy from that and he, he really has done a nice job for a young player we've, we've asked a lot of them really um, and and you know again without really making a fair evaluation after watching the tape watching the full body of work because he's also played some special teams we got to factor that in um, and see where he's at and see see if he uh, um, you know where he is now in these next couple of days based on based on that Doug, have you made a decision on who the starting quarterback is going to be for Thursday yet? It's not Friday yet. Are you guys going to sit down on tomorrow and, and make that decision? Um, no, I mean we don't have to make that decision right now. Uh, we got we still got some time before we hit the practice field again and and uh, go from there. But we, we'll, we'll have a conversation on it though. Looking forward to learning what what the news is. Clear, not clear. As you guys anticipate getting ready for the Falcons. You know, um, obviously, you know, yeah, I mean, you, you anticipate it, but at the same time, you know, I've got, you know, the rest of the team to prepare to get ready for Atlanta. And, um, you know, whoever it is, I mean, it's just, you know, we just got to prepare the same way. We just got to take it one day at a time. We got to focus on one game at a time and, and uh, you know, take the take the 46 into that game that, that, are, that are ready to go. What did that choose? The decision to, to sit in the outside belt. You know what? I've seen a lot of Nate already. Uh, he's played a ton this offseason or uh, this preseason. He's played a ton of football. And really, I needed to get a fair assessment of Joe and, and Christian because uh, we haven't really seen Christian. So it's not connected to Thursday night? Oh, no. Not at all. Not at all. What was your assessment of Joe and Christian? I thought there were some good things. Um, you know, obviously the turnovers are things that we can't do from the quarterback position. Um you know, it was unfortunate there at the end of the half. Christian had a really nice drive going to, to pin, you know, at least maybe get three out of that drive, but but we just ran out of time and 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 all that. But did some nice things, and then and then Joe, I thought really in the second half in the fourth quarter came in and, you know, once he, you know, a, a nice drive, just kind of underthrew the pass. He had the guy in, in the end zone if he throws it a little bit further, but uh, I was it was great to see him come back and bounce back and 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 put together that touchdown drive at the end. So. They both did great things. Um, you know, I'm excited for both of them uh, and, and, and obviously their future. And, and uh, um, great way to finish uh, the preseason with a, with a touchdown draft. We'll do a couple more things. Adam tomorrow. What's the message to him as, as he goes? Yeah, uh, it's unfortunate, number one. Uh, he understands, you know. Um, but, you know, the message is just, hey, he's got he's to gotta stay focused. He's got to stay ready. Um, He's got to continue to work out, you know, for the next, uh, you know, seven, eight days, whatever it is. And um, when he comes back, he's he's ready to go. Has the decision been made on who's going to start that you know, week one in his absence? No, we haven't made those decisions yet. Doug, when you talk about That's evaluation as a whole, go all the way back to the spring, and, and you've seen most of these guys uh, through training camp. How much can this game tip the scales for those bubble players? Um, I think it it can it can uh, it can it can tip it a little bit, you know. I mean, again, you got to take the full body of their work. You know, it just can't rely on one football game. You know, we got to go back to OTAs, and you got to, you know, sometimes you have to go back and even just watch, you know, a couple practices back then and see how they've progressed to, to now. And 
you know, by doing that, um, we do our due diligence to make sure that the 53 is the right 53, you know, in the next couple of days. And uh, some of these guys, you know, are going to make it tough on us. There's head coach Doug Pearson addressing the media, and the biggest news coming out of that, in my estimation, is that Alshon Jeffrey will be activated from the physically unable to perform list. He will be on the active roster. So there was that report early in training camp that he was going to be on PUP to start the season, which would have meant he would have missed the first six games. Not going to happen. He's day-to-day -day moving forward. We hope that he'll be able to be ready for next Thursday against Atlanta. But at the very least, he'll be ready at some point in the coming weeks. It's not going to be any kind of long-term uh, absence for number 17. That's good news. You're talking about a big weapon, especially when you're looking at the red zone. This was the number one team in the NFL in the red zone yep. last year. And they did a great job of putting up touchdowns instead of field goals. It's the reason why before Carson Wentz went out, they were the number one scoring team in the NFL. And so uh, having Alshon back as soon as possible can only add to uh, what this offense wants to do. He is a big body. He knows how to go up and catch the 50-50 balls, and that's what you really want. Uh, you're not going to always be wide open as a receiver in this league. And sometimes the quarterback has to trust that you're going to do right by him, not let a ball get picked off and go up there and just grab it out of the air. And that's what Alshon has been known for. His second half of the season through the postseason, I thought was a huge, huge reason why we ended up being Super Bowl champions last year. Alshon Jeffrey stepped up big time second half of the season. It took, it took a few games for he and Carson to sort of get on the same page. But once they started to connect, man, I mean, you couldn't stop them. I think about that play in the Denver game, which got them rolling in that game. Yeah. And, of course, everyone's going to remember for the longest time that first touchdown in the Super Bowl, what catching catch. it over Eric Rowe. Man, Just amazing. Coach, yeah. With a torn rotator cuff on top. <laughs> when the, you that, add that, too, you didn't know at the time. Yeah, exactly. It was after the fact you learned about that, and you're like, he did all of that, battling that injury the whole time. So, Alshon Jeffrey coming off PUP list tomorrow. Uh, roster cuts have to be due Saturday at 4 p.m. Of course, everyone wants to know from Coach Pearson who will start a quarterback next Thursday, and he said it's not Friday, referring to a remark <laughs> he made earlier in the week that on Friday he will privately make the decision and then wait until 90 minutes before kickoff when the inactives have to be announced and revealed to the league. So from that standpoint, Coach Pierce has not yet made a determination who will start a quarterback against the Falcons, whether it's going to be Carson Wentz or Nick Foles. That's going to be, that's going to be the big question all week long. We, we've been asking it throughout the entire preseason. Now that the regular season is here, that's what everyone wants to know. Yeah, and it's not going to go away until we find out who will be the starter. But here's the thing that I'll say. I think the Eagles have, I mean, we obviously know there's a, there's a difference between Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. Certainly. But you can win with either quarterback, especially when you're talking about a short window. So uh, I know we're all anticipating who's going to be the starter next Thursday night. The good thing for us as Eagles fans is that it's not like the drop-off is that great to where it's going to swing the pendulum as to whether or not you can win the football game. Correct. We've seen what Nick Foles can do on the biggest of the biggest stages. It doesn't get any bigger than playing in the Super Bowl, and he outdueled out the greatest quarterback of all time, in my opinion, and Tom Brady. So um, we'll all be waiting and anticipating for him to announce who's going to be the starter. But the good thing for Eagles fans is that as it pertains to next week, it, you can win with either quarterback, quite frankly. 
So in terms of the next 48 hours, really 72, because you factor in the fact that they'll cut to 53 on Saturday. Then they can claim people off the waiver wire on yeah. Sunday and form the practice squad. So those last few spots on the roster are going to be kind of interchangeable for the next couple of days or so. But as a player, you never really had to worry about cut day. Okay, because right. you, you came in as a draft pick during the Ray Rhodes era. You were firmly entrenched as a rookie, and then you solidified yourself as, you know, obviously a special teams weapon and a, and a key asset on defense as well. Yeah. But what's it like for the guys that you know after a game like tonight, fourth preseason game, that they've probably suited up for the last time, at least in that training camp and in, in that uniform with you on the team? I tell you, it's not easy for the players, man. These fringe players, guys at the bottom of the roster that are fighting for their NFL lives, uh, you become close with them. You know, these guys come in in the spring, like right after the draft. Some even come in uh, as free agents, guys that are bouncing around teams that are trying to, to stay in the league. And you get to know these guys. They go through training camp with you. You become closer. You become a team. And uh, training camp always said in the preseason, it feels like college because that's how many players that are on the team. You're about 90 guys on the roster, and you know 40-something guys have to be let go over the next couple of days. And so when you get to know these guys and you root for them because you know how hard they're fighting uh, to stay on the roster, you feel for them. And, and Doug will tell you, any of these coaches will tell you, it's the toughest part of this job is cutting players because these guys have given Doug everything he's asked for, and the only thing you can ask for from these players is to give me your best. Come in, pay attention to detail, be a team player, don't be selfish, fit in to the culture that we've built around here. And these guys so desperately want to be a part of the Philadelphia Eagles. And so uh, the next couple of days are tough, especially for guys that you know are on the bubble. But the good thing is uh, I know plenty of stories where guys have been released here and they feel bad and they get picked up somewhere else and next thing you know their career is taken off in another position. So uh, if these guys have taken care of their business and, and the coaches tell them every time, it's not just us that are evaluating yep. you, it's 31 other teams that are evaluating you as well. And so hopefully these guys have done everything they can to at least give themselves a chance to continue their NFL dreams because uh, Jerry Glanville said a long time ago, the NFL stands for not for long. And um, it's, it's, it's obviously a privilege to play in this league, and we only get a short time to do it. And so when those cuts come out, um, you feel bad that, that that guy or those guys aren't going to be necessarily on this team, but then you root for them to get picked up somewhere else. And I know plenty of guys that have been picked up uh, elsewhere. My, one of my best friends, Al Wallace, got cut from here, went down to Carolina, put, put together a pretty good career in Carolina. So it happens. It certainly does. Now, one player who was a seventh-round pick just a couple of years ago but is firmly entrenched as a starter now is cornerback Jalen Mills. Our Eagles insider Dave Spadaro had a chance to catch up with Mr. Mills right after the game. Let's send you to that interview right now. Well, one week from tonight, it all begins. How much are you looking forward to the Atlanta Falcons coming to town? Oh, man, it's, it's everything we've been working for, you know, this offseason from OTAs, you know, to the start of camp, during camp, and throughout the preseason, man. Uh, I think this team, we're going to be ready to go come Thursday night. How has the defense played in the preseason, Jalen? Do you have a sense of how good it can be? I mean, we're playing fast. You know what I mean? That's, that's one attitude that you want to have as a defense. Everybody going out there playing sound and playing fast, man. I think we've been doing that, whether it's the ones, twos, or the threes. The hunted team, how does that feel? 
Uh, I mean, right now, you know, coming off last last season, you know, not really want to talk about it. Um, it is what it is. You know, what I mean, we know where we are, um, but at the same time, it's, it starts all over again. We know where we got to get, and uh, it starts Thursday night. Jalen Mills, thanks so much. Thank you. Good luck, man. All right, there's the insider with Jalen Mills, and that's going to be a fun battle. Remember. Jalen was covering Julio Jones on an ill-fated fourth and goal attempt from the two-yard line. A little bit high, the all-pro wide receiver not able to come down with it, and you saw the finger wagon right away as the Eagles were on their way to the NFC Championship game, steamrolling the Vikings and then advancing to Super Bowl 52. So tonight was the final preseason game, and it was also the last chance to hear the exhibition version of Merrill Reese and Mike Quick, two members of the Eagles Hall of Fame. And, you know, we had, we had a chance to kind of go behind the scenes and capture some of their best calls from tonight in Merrill Cam. Let's bring that to you now. Back goes Wolford. He pumps, he fires, and it is intercepted inside the five-yard line. It is picked off by Sullivan, and this time it is Shandon yeah. Sullivan. I thought Shannon Sullivan had jumped too early, but he's in perfect position, better receiver position than the intended target, and he gives the Eagles the football back. So he has something to remember. It is fourth and goal. Walford gives off inside, and the Eagles stack up walls. They Impressive. stack them up, and they're jumping up and down like they just want a playoff game. Impressive. They did. These guys, they want to stop them. What a great job by Chateau. So it was a 58-yard field goal that gave the Jets the lead. Here is Jake Elliott to attempt a 55-yarder. We know this is well within his reach. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. It's a line drive, and it is good. First and 15 at the 48. Back. Means. Being hit this time. Football loose. Picked up by the Eagles. Means came down, they hit Wolford. The ball came loose, flags flew, and the Eagles came up with the ball. See, Stephen Means is a snap-to-whistle kind of guy. He speeds around the right tackle, and he actually gets knocked to the ground, continues towards the quarterback, gets the football out. Stephen Means, what a player. Thanks to Sports Radio 94 WIP for allowing us to share Merrill Cam with all of you out there. We're going to take our first break here on the post-game show presented by Rico. Now, if you're following on Facebook or Twitter, you need to, you need to come on over to PhiladelphiaEagles.com or the Eagles app to watch the rest of the show. We're going to look ahead and preview Thursday night's matchup with the Atlanta Falcons and take a quick peek at the 2018 regular season calendar. And it's great to say regular season now that the preseason is over. So we will see you all after these first few messages. in Philadelphia in 1776 and practiced by Temple students every day. So when we say Temple is part of Philadelphia, we're not just talking a mailing address. We live this city. 
trying to get home But it feels like another life Yeah, I'm trying to stay strong Sometimes I realize That the further I go The more that I know That I want to go home When you and your money are treated with respect, you prosper. And at Santander Bank, respect adds up. At Santander Bank, we want you to prosper. That's why we treat you and your money with respect. Learn more about how respect adds up at Santander by visiting SantanderBank.com. McDonald's, proud partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Welcome back to the Post Game Show presented by Rico, Chris McPherson alongside Ike Reeson. Yes, we're happy about the Eagles 10-9 come from behind win in the final minute over the New York Jets. But quite honestly, we're now turning the page to look ahead to next Thursday night's matchup with the Atlanta Falcons. And Ike, we talked a lot about the defense in the first block of the show. Let's get into the offense. And again, we don't know who's going to be at quarterback. Coach Peterson said during his press conference, he reiterated that he'll make the decision tomorrow. But offensively we haven't seen a lot of these guys on the field you go left tackle Jason Peters Darren Sproles in the backfield you know Mac Hollins has been injured for most camp Nelson Aguilar there are a lot of key pieces along this offensive unit that was so prolific last year that even as we wonder who will be a quarterback we're going to wonder what are we going to see from this offense that hasn't had a lot of time to gel so is there something there where it's going to take time for the chemistry to develop or will the weeks of practice and training camp and just knowing the guys as veterans help assimilate them as they get ready for Atlanta? Well, you know, the offensive side of the football is so reliant on finding a rhythm, right? You know, everything is about timing when you're talking about the offensive side of the ball. And that's why the defense looks like it's so much further ahead because, you know, once they know their schemes, everybody knows where to be at. But offense is all about timing. And with so many guys missing from practice due to injuries, things of that nature, you almost have to expect them to be a little slow coming out, coming out the gate. You just do. I'd be surprised if they're clicking on all cylinders. Um, uh, Nelson just got back to practice this week. You know, Mike Wallace, uh, new to the office, hasn't had a lot of uh, time to work uh, in this in, in this system to get accustomed uh, annoying sort of the ins and the outs of what they sort of expect from him. Uh, the tight ends I'm perfectly fine with. Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. That's like they, the one position you yeah, feel great about I, I, going into the regular season. Absolutely right. I have no type of trepidation when it comes to the tight end position. But the running back position, uh, all three running backs have dealt with some sort of injury. I know Darren Sproles is coming back, and he hasn't had any setbacks, but Corey Clement had some lower body issues. Uh, they've been doing maintenance work with Jay Ajayi, uh, lower body issues. Uh, the offensive line, you know, Jason Peters, I know he's out there practicing, but that's that's not game reps, right? And so you got to get those guys out there together, and it may take a half. It may take – it may not happen in that game whatsoever, but they are talented enough to sort of be able to fight through it. But you won't see the offense that you saw – 
let's say, in the middle of the season last year where they were no. putting up 30 points a game. I think it's, I think it's going to take some time. Nick Foles, uh, if he's the starting quarterback, right, he's been a little rusty or, or slow to assimilate himself to where he was at the end of the season last year. And so how much work can they get in prior to next Thursday's game? That's the other thing that this team is dealing with. This is really going to be a short week, you know. Uh, is it though? Because you're coming Thursday. It's usually Sunday to Sunday. That that's how Doug's been explaining it right. at least the last couple of weeks. So it's it's shorter than if you were the normal right. regular season opener. Usually you have those few extra days, but at right. least in terms of a week to week. It's a week to week. But here's the thing: there has to be somewhat of a different approach here, right? Because. They still have cuts to make on this yes. roster. They still have transactions to make on this roster when it comes to personnel. And so when they finally do put the game plan in and they come back and they start getting ready for the Atlanta Falcons, the week is going to go by that fast. And, and again, I, I don't know if it's, uh, if it's realistic to expect this team to come out firing on all cylinders. It doesn't mean I expect them to lose next week. It just means it may be a little choppy uh, in the beginning. But the one thing this team can hang their hat on is that defensive side of the ball. We don't have to worry about whether or not we have enough talent on the offensive side of the ball. It's just worrying about whether or not have they had enough time to practice together so that they can look like uh, what Doug had envisioned his offense looking like when they put these players together for this offseason. So that's the only thing that you worry about, whether or not it's going to be a little choppy in the beginning. But the good thing is you got a good you got a good offensive line. You got more than capable running backs that you can rely on the running game. And then when you look at whomever is starting at the quarterback position, uh, whether it's Nick Foles or Carson Wentz, there's enough weapons around them. And we got a head coach that does a fantastic job a play calling Certainly. and he's going to tailor this game plan to whomever is back there as the signal caller. That's why he wants to make the decision Friday. Yeah, that's why I'm sure he pretty much wants to say, all right, I got to find out who my guy is. So because of how it is a different week, it might still be, you know, from a Sunday to Sunday in theory, mm -hmm. it's still going to be different because of all the transactions and everything else that you mentioned on top of it. We also haven't seen the RPO game. And, right. I, and I'm really excited to see what the next evolution is of the RPO game is going to be for the Eagles this season because that's the one aspect of the Eagles' offense that every team around the league is trying to incorporate into their offense. So what are the Eagles going to do to stay ahead of the curve knowing that defenses have been game-playing and studying it all throughout the offseason? And that's, that's the trend around the league. The yeah. Eagles aren't the only ones to run the RPO, and I can remember breaking down uh, the run-pass options uh, last year, particularly in the postseason, and for a defense, that linebacker who the quarterback is reading, he can't be right. If he plays the run, the quarterback's going to pull the ball out and throw it behind him. If he's slow to play the run and he wants to sort of slough off and try to get in the passing lane, now you're handing the ball off to Clemens, Clements or Ajayi or Darren Sproles, and there's a big gaping hole there. So I love the RPOs and you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna find defenses. I will say, these defensive coordinators, you give them an off season, they tend to figure out ways to slow Sorry. down whatever you're doing on the offensive side you're of the ball. Like you're not a linebacker having to deal with this. No, <laughs> exactly, exactly, <laughs> because it, it's a difficult concept, especially when you got a quarterback who has the ability to pull the ball down and either run it or throw it. And we're one of the better teams in the league at running these RPOs because I saw where Doug, last year where Doug and Frank Reich and John DiFilippo, 
they added little wrinkles to the RPO, right? You could pull it out as a quarterback, and where maybe they had ran it earlier in the year, they started throwing it to the receiver on the outside versus throwing it across the middle. So there are so many variations of it. And when you have good uh, offensive minds like, like Doug Peterson at the helm, there's always going to be a counter to whatever you do defensively. And you have Mike Rowe, who was in the system last season, and yeah. he has an elevated role as the offensive coordinator now. You obviously have Jeff Stoutland and Deuce Daly and Press Taylor, the you know coach who discovered the, what became the Philly special. Okay, so there's a lot of bright minds. Just because you lose guys yeah. like Reich and DiFilippo, a lot of people tend to think that you lose those guys, the offense is going to take a hit this offseason. But, again, Doug Peterson is still the head coach. He's the one in charge, and you have quality coaches who have been in the system. It's not like the Andy Reid days where he was starting to lose so many quality assistants, it was hard to replace them. You're yeah. still in a position of strength here with this coaching staff to be able to elevate this offense, hopefully to another level, but just how quickly it gets there is going to be the question, just because they didn't really have the preseason to get that sink and get into that rhythm. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to take our final break here on the postgame show presented by Rico. On the other side, we're going to take one last look at the Atlanta Falcons and peek ahead to what lies ahead for the Eagles when it comes to the regular season. Again, regular season football is here in just one week, baby. We'll be back after these few messages. See what's happening at your local Acme. Better sale prices, superior service, and great quality products. Cleaner, friendlier, fresher. Like fresher meat and seafood. And fresher produce and hundreds of organics. And our butchers cut our USDA choice Lancaster beef in store every day. So stop in, shop, and see for yourself why Acme is just better. Acme, the official supermarket of the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm trying to get home, but it feels like another life. Yeah, I'm trying to stay strong. Sometimes I realize that the further I go, the more that I know that I want to go home. When you and your money are treated with respect, you prosper. And at Santander Bank, respect adds up. Eagles High School Football Showdown presented by the Rothman Institute at Jefferson celebrates local high school football coaches and their teams. Visit PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash showdown to check out this year's coaches and learn more about the program. All right, welcome back, everyone. So, Land Falcons, again, coming to town. A lot of history between these two teams, even though they're not in the same division. It seems like they almost play each and every season. Yeah. The Eagles had a lot of success against the Falcons, especially at Lincoln Financial Field. You go back to the division round or the divisional round win, yes, last year to advance the NFC Championship game. And then when the Falcons were on their way to the Super Bowl the year earlier, the Eagles had the upset win at the link there. So the Eagles have had their number of late, but again, it's the Falcons are going to be very emotional coming into this one. 
wanting revenge for what happened in the divisional round. And this is a team that, again, went to the Super Bowl two years ago, you know, was right there, was 10-6 and last season in a very tough and crowded NFC South that sends three teams to the postseason. They're going to be right in the thick of things again because they've got the quarterback and the bevy of weapons. I remember when Julio Jones was unhappy about his contract, I was crossing my fingers thinking could it last, you know, through the preseason. <laughs> and obviously that wasn't the case here. So, and then you have a, a fast, tenacious defense that flies around the football. Vic Beasley, you know, able to come off the edge there. It's, it's not going to be an easy one for the Eagles. This, the, these opening night games, while the home team has won, I think, all but one of the games, if I'm correct, yeah. you know, ever since the NFL has done this with the Thursday night opener, still, they never, they never give you a, an easy night to open the season. It's not like University of Alabama football where you're taking on, throwing whatever program you want there the to kick off the year. Yes. Yeah, Coastal Carolina or somebody. <laughs> No, you're, you're right. Me, so. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. I mean, Atlanta's a good football team. I think sometimes they get overlooked, obviously, because you got, you got them playing in the Dome, you got them playing down in Atlanta, and then people think back to a couple years ago when they lost to, to the Patriots in the Super Bowl after leading 28-3. Should to have three. won the Super Bowl. Not just get to the Super Bowl, should have won the Super Bowl, of course. But, he, but here's the thing that, I, that, I, that I'll say I respect about that Falcon organization. Dan Quinn is – Well, no, 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 forget about me. Yeah. Dan Quinn has done a good job – of that's a mentally tough team. You you blow a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl, you can almost kiss your next season goodbye. You talked about how tough that division is. Carolina made the playoffs and so did the Saints. Atlanta won 10 games after blowing a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. Not only did they win 10 games, they went out to L.A. and beat the Rams in the first round of the playoffs, and they had us on the ropes. You know, we had a few fortunate bounces in that game that we were able to squeak it out. So, you know, Dan Quinn coming from Seattle, he's built that defense uh, in the mode of what the Seahawks defense was. They fly around, they're fast. Uh, Keanu uh, uh, Neal is basically a camp chancellor uh, type, of, uh, type of a safety. You talked about Vic Beasley. That's, that's your guy coming off the edge for him. So they like to fly around. I mean, and then their offense, you can put that offense with any offense in this league, position by position. They had the skill positions to match match up against anybody. Julio Jones, easily top three wide receiver uh, in this league. He talked about Calvin Ridley, the two running backs they have. Either one of those guys could be starters on the other teams in, in, in the league. They have two guys that are capable of being 1,000-yard rushers. So, you know, that's a, that's a football team that is still fighting to sort of gain their respect in this league as a perennial playoff team, which people don't tend to look at the Falcons as. But to me, I was impressed with the way they bounced back after losing Super Bowl 51 in the fashion in which they did. They came back, made the playoffs. They had a big win against a very good uh, L.A. Rams team last year. And you're right. They're going to be ready next Thursday. They certainly are. So let's take a look at the first half of the season schedule. So they open against Atlanta. We all know that week from tonight. Then they'll get a little mini buy, and they go to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers, who will not have Jameis Winston, who is suspended for that game. So Ryan Fitzpatrick is set to be the quarterback. And then you get Andrew Luck and Frank Reich. Yeah. Coming to the link in week three, it's going to be an emotional afternoon because it's the Hall of Fame game for the Eagles. Seth Joyner and Clyde Simmons will go into the Eagles Hall, so certainly there will be some juice behind that. Uh, but overall, though, those first three games, you're hoping that this team can get some footing by that point. And then week four, they travel to Tennessee, a you know, team that beat, beat the Chiefs last season, yeah. season in the playoffs. 
still upended its coaching staff. Mike Rabel is now the head coach down there in Tennessee. They have Marcus Mariota to see if they can get him on track after showing promise and flashes early in his career. So that first quarter of the schedule, all out of division opponents, uh, but some winnable games to hopefully get yourself on track because you look at that month of October, whoo, it's, it's a tough one. Now, I'm looking at these first eight games, and this is what happens when you win the Super Bowl. You're going to get a first-place schedule the following year. That's five playoff teams in the first eight games. The Falcons, the Titans, the Vikings, the Panthers, and the Jags. They all were in the playoffs last year, and so the Eagles are going to get them in the first half of the season only one divisional game. And you know how tough divisional games can be, so it's going to be imperative for the Eagles to sort of come out of the gate and, and find their footing as quickly as possible because you're no longer the underdog. You're nope. the team that's circled on everyone's calendar, on everyone's schedule, or oh, when, when are we playing the, the uh, defending Super Bowl champions. And so that fan base, when you travel to their town or when they come into here, you're going to get their best shot. This goes back to, you know, Dave Spadaro's report about the sign coming down in the locker room that – you know, the veterans who have been there. Malcolm Jenkins won a Super Bowl in New Orleans before winning it here in Philadelphia. Chris Long won it in New England, came to Philadelphia and won another one. They know how hard it is to get back to, to, to the top of the mountain the following year, and you don't need the distraction. You don't need the reminder there. It's like, yes, we won the Super Bowl last year. That doesn't mean anything for this season, okay? Yeah. 2017 is done. It was a magical run. It was, it was the most fun ride that any Eagles fan could have ever hoped for. You know, you always dreamed of what it was going to be like to win the Super Bowl. I, I think it was a million times better. Oh, you know, it was. Happening. It was. And just the way they came together because of the team, the chemistry, what the team overcame, the way they won the Super Bowl, beating New England, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Tom Brady. It, it was a dream season. And it just shows you, you know, me covering the Eagles for so many years, going back to when you were playing, it's so hard to get back there because you go back to 2004 after the Eagles lost the Super Bowl that year. You know, obviously you left for Atlanta the next season. I think everyone thought that, hey, they'll be right back there next year. They'll have all the pieces together for the most part. You know, they're still the cream of the crop in the conference. And you remember week one the following season, Atlanta came and punched them out. I, I, I don't remember that game. Yeah, <laughs> only because you, you told your teammates <laughs> to go after Trotter to get him ejected from the game. And then oh my God. it really set the toe for the season. But, again, it, yes. it just showed how difficult it is that it – you need, like you mentioned with the Atlanta game last year, you need things to bounce your way. And I go back to, it was at the end of the first half where Keanu Neal should have had the interception. Yeah. The ball popped up in the air. Torrey Smith catches it, and that just changed the fortune of the game right there. So it's those little things along the way that will make the difference between a very good 10-6 team that can make it to the divisional round like the Falcons or the team that brings home the Lombardi Trophy at the end of the day in the Philadelphia Eagles. So, Get buckled in because it's going to be a, be a wild, wild ride. So as yeah. the Eagles are the defending world champions for the first time since 1960. I read, I read an article this week that said it's the first time they're defending a world championship. Pump the brakes. It's been a while. <laughs> before, before most of us watching were alive. Oh, yes. But nonetheless, okay, the Eagles have been in this spot before, but it's been a long, long time. So that's going to do it for us here on the postgame show presented by Rico. Again, our coverage next week will have the kickoff show presented by Exalta. We're going to have the banner ceremony, the team introductions, all the festivities from Lincoln Financial Field before kickoff. And then Ike and I will be back to recap everything once the game is over and cross your fingers for a win, just like tonight 
over the New York Jets. And again, you can listen to my man Ike right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP Afternoon Show with John Marks tomorrow. Look forward to it as you guys, I'm guessing it's going to be all Eagles now. Now it's all oh, the, yeah. you know, preseason's over. You know, fans might have been in a little bit of a slumber saying, call me when the regular season comes around. No, it's on now, especially because everyone's going to be on quarterback watch who will be under center in week one. So for all of us here at the Philadelphia Eagles, thanks for joining us and have a great Eagles night, everyone.